0: نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله كان بخير بنفس الله we praise Him, we seek His assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds When Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray and when Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him I witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam it is still and is nothing good. We would like to begin this session, the tenth lecture now series of lectures concerning the explanation of the essay of Alim al Ahmed ibn Hanbal, rahimahullah, entitled, Usul al Sunnah, the foundations or fundamentals of the Sunnah, or the fundamentals of the Deen, the Islamic Aqidah. Uh, in the last Lecture we discussed briefly uh some things related to the superiority of Abu Bakr al Siddhith Radi Allahu Anu and Bin Afirm, Umar ibn Sat, Usan ibn Afan, Ali ibn Ali Falas, Radi Allah Ad and so on, from so, amongst the companions those who the to upon paradise and those who fought uh, in the battle of Badr from amongst the Maenster, mahajiri, the immigrants from Mecca to Medina and from amongst the Anfa, the people of Medina and so on, the length of the Sahaba the best of them being Abu Bakr al the Allah and so on we also discussed briefly the definition of a sihmaq or companionship, who is considered a companion of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. And then we talked about uh, the guidance or the instructions or the way that the people are to relate to those in authority from amongst them. That is the leaders of the Muslims, whatever their race may be. Hearing and obeying the imams, the Muslim leaders, participating with them in al-jihad, whether they are righteous or otherwise paying the obligatory charity of the to them paying them the thought of jinnah and also the topic of revolting against the Muslim leaders and killing the Muslim rulers that this is contrary to the Sunnah and against the way of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi and the early generations of the Muslims we would like to continue this evening from the من الأصول السنة والأيام احمد رحمه الله سيد وقتال النسوء والخوارج جائز إذا عرضوا للرجل في نفسه وماله فله أن يقاتل عن نفسه وماله ويسعى عنها بكل ما يقدره خلوا أجلس بثير عند خوارج the revolters, the rebe- rebellious ones who turn in rebellion against the legitimate Muslim leaders or rulers. Fighting against the thieves and the Khalaraj is permissible. That is, when they set upon a man with respect to his person or his wealth, when they attack someone, attack his person or try to take his wealth, it is then permissible for him to fight and defend himself and his property and to repel the thieves and the revolters, the khawarij and them both that is protecting himself and his property with everything that is within his capacity uh, last week we discussed briefly the topic of obeying the Muslim leaders and the prohibition of revolting against them and. This evening, we would just like to mention, I think I thought to mention last week just a quick, brief definition of the Khawarij uh, as we can tell it, or summarize this from some of the definitions given by the Muslim scholars. The Khawarij are the first text in Islam to split away from the way of the Prophet ﷺ and his companions They arose during the Khilasa or the rule of Ali ibn Abi Salib and they were making rebellion or khuruj against him. Disobedience to the leader and fighting against him because of the altercation between him and Muawiyah radiallahu anhu may Allah be pleased with them both. That is Ali and Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan Allah anhu ajmin. And the false aqidah or the false beliefs of the Khawarij is allowing rebellion against the legitimate Muslim ruler whether he is pious or wicked and also from amongst their first beliefs is declaring a Muslim to be a kafir, disbeliever due to commission of a major sin if any Muslim commits a major sin they said he became a kafir, a disbeliever and went out of Islam we have gathered in a place named Harura which is located about 2 miles from Kufa, and are also known as Haruriyah in this respect Ahmed, he mentioned that fighting against the khawarij defending oneself against the khawarij, the revolt against the rules those who make rebellion as well as the thieves, that this is permissible in order to defend your self or to defend your love before going into this topic in detail I would just like to mention some of the evidences particularly from the authentic hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa related to the or let's prove and show the wrongness or incorrectness of the position of the khawarij those who rebel and put against the Muslim rulers or the the legitimate authority in the land of the Muslims there are so many hadiths in al-Bukhari and Muslim and other books Of the books of Sunnah that show clearly the guidance and the instruction of the Prophet in this manner. And in our discussion last week, we mentioned so many of the things of the Imams or the scholars of the Muslims of the past concerning this issue. So let us just briefly summarize some of the proofs, some of the evidences from the Sunnah that support the position of the Imams that it is incorrect and it is against the Sunnah and not allowed to make me rebellion or al-Quruj against the legitimate the, the Muslim rulers. Another of them is the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ as you call it in the Sahih of Muslim on the authority of Tamim al-Dari radiallahu He says that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, the religion is al-Masihah good advice or being sincere, etc. He said that three times. They said, "Leminala this alaihi wasallam." Who is this for, or this in God of Allah? He, sallallahu alaihi wa said, "From and his and for his and for the and this for being sincere and giving advice is to Allah, sincerity to Allah, and being sincere in following the guidance of the Book of Allah and the. Muslims of Allah sallallahu wa sallam the Qur'an and, and also giving advice to the leaders of the Muslims giving Masihah and being sincere and nice to them as well as to the general population of the Muslims Al-Allama al-Sheikh al-Rahman in explaining this hadith mentions that as for the Masihah or being sincere and giving advice to the leaders of the Muslims And that means those who have any responsibility or authority over the muslims from the Sultan, the Sultan al-A'azm that is the main muslim ruler, the leader of all the muslims to the emir or the leader of any group of muslims to the Qadi, the judge in the court and it also includes all of those who have any kind of responsibility over the muslims whether that responsibility is small or big. So he says since these people's responsibility and their obligation is so great, more than others that is the main Muslim or the Khalifa or the Amir of the country or the Qadi or on, anyone who has any responsibility as a Muslim, since their responsibility is greater than the others then it is obligatory to give them a Masihah to advise them and to be sincere and right to them according to their position and this is in light of, or in consideration, an acknowledgement of their imamah, their position as imam, and their position as being uh, one of those who have been given authority or responsibility over the affairs of the Muslims. So it is obligatory to obey them in the best ways and it is forbidden to miss or rebellion against them. And it is also expected to advise the common people or those under their authority to obey them and to stick to those things that our leaders have commanded us with as long as that which they commanded us with is not in contradiction or in conflict with that which Allah and His Messenger has commanded us with. And also we should make every effort uh, to advise them making clear to them those things that may have passed by them, that they didn't notice or didn't understand or didn't see. We should advise them about those things, especially those things that they are in need of, being brought to their attention in order to fulfill the needs of the people under their authority. Everyone should, do this, should fulfill this obligation according to his condition or his status in the society or in relation to that person and authority, whether the ruler or otherwise. Also, we are expected as part of المسيحة, the nasihah The nasiha to the Muslims according to Hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. The nasiha for the Imam Imam of the Muslims is also that we should supplicate for them that Allah would make would collect them. and would bring them success in doing good. Because if they are collected and they are, uh, their condition is improved, then this would also be good for the people under the authority of those people who are under their leadership. And also we should avoid accusing them, cursing them, speaking badly against them or spreading their faults or their shortcomings because in this is a very great evil and harm and a great corruption in the society that should be avoided. Also from Masihah to them, that thing that we are obligated to give Masihah to them about or to to be sincere to them about is that we should be warned and we should warn others against uh, and speaking against them or trying to find fault with them without any benefit from such action also whoever sees from the leader any wrongdoing or that which is unlawful then he should to the attention of that person in authority, privately, not publicly, privately. And it should be done with the best of speech in a kind way, and with the type of words that are appropriate and suitable for the position of that person in authority. You don't speak to the ruler, or to the authority or to the person in authority, like you speak to your child or to someone under your authority, or less, of or lesser position. And the purpose of this, bringing it to their attention privately and speaking to them in the best type of way, in the best manner and with easy and soft words, is so that the objective of advising them can be fulfilled, because we don't want to run the person away, but we want to advise them in a way that the advice would be acceptable to them and perhaps they would correct themselves. This is what is hoped for. And this is the right of every individual, that we should advise every Muslim, whether he is a ruler or not. But for the rulers, they have no right that we should advise them, and advise them in this way. That which, that's the end of what the shaykh has said. And then, let us support what he says from the authentic hadith of the Prophet that we should advise them and that it should be done privately and not publicly, not speaking against them publicly is that what has done ابي عاصم by his abiyat in the book من أراد أن يمسح لذي سلطان فلا يبده علانية ولكن يأخذ بيده فيضم ذوي فإن منه فذاك وإلا كان قد أدى الذي عليه حديث هل by shaykh al-albani, hafibahullah the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in this hadith said whoever wants to advise anyone who has authority any person who has control or authority or who is in a position of rulership, whoever wants to advise such a person then فلا يبضيه علامية then don't do it publicly or openly in front of the people ولكن يأكل بيده but taken by his man وَلَخْلُوا بِهِ And take him to a private place where no one is around and advise him in that way. (todic) قُبِلَ مِنْهُ And if he accepts it, then that's very good. وَإِلَّا كَانَ قَدْ عَلَيْهِ And if he didn't accept it, then you have fulfilled your responsibility that Allah has placed on you to advise the leader or the ruler. Also, the hadith that is reported in Al-Bukhari and Muslim on the Abbasid عَبْدَ اللَّهِ ibn الْعُمَى from the Prophet that he said, that it is an obligation on every Muslim to hear and to obey that which is pleasing to him and that which is distasteful to him. This means that even this is the order that comes from the authority or the ruler or the leader. Even if it's something distasteful to us, we are still expected to obey. إِلَّا أَنْ يُؤْمَرَ بِمَا فَلَا سَمْعَ وَلَا Except in the case that someone has been ordered or commanded with an act of disobedience. That is disobedience to Allah or the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. In that case, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم says, فَلَا سَمْعَ وَلَا تع. Then in that case, we should not hear them nor obey them. And also in the Sahihain al-Bukhari al-Muslim on the authority of Abdullah bin Masood radiAllahu anhu, may Allah be pleased with him, he said that the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said, إِنَّهَا تَكُونُ بَعْدِ أَفْرَةٌ وَأُمُورًا تُنْكِرُونَهَا He said that after me, the Prophet الله عليه said, after me, you will find that some of the women would give preference them to themselves. and yani they would keep some rights to themselves and not give them your rights. They would give preference to themselves over the people. And other things you will find them doing that you would dislike and you would uh, speak against. They said, Ya Rasulullah, كيف تامر من أدرك مِنَّا ذلك? What do we order, those of us who have reached that time, that the leaders would do such things? The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, تؤدون الحق الذي عليكم و تسألون الله الذي لكم. He said that you should fulfill those obligations that are upon you yeah, and Your obligation to obey the leader, you should still fulfill it even if he is doing wrong And ask Allah for those rights which the leader is keeping back from you Ask Allah for your rights Give him his rights and ask Allah for your rights And also in the Sahih al-Muslim al the Tatiha wa'al ibn Khujr Allah he said he said if we found that the leaders or the emirs who would be placed over us Would request or require of us their rights And they would request or demand for us to obey them But they wouldn't give us our rights but we are entitled to sometimes what do you order us to do? Sahara annu when the Prophet turned away from him and he asked him again. Sahara Sama Saalahu Sis Samiya When he turned away again and the person asked him a second time or a third time, Sarif then Al Ashaf Ibn Sarif told him. to stop him from keep asking the Prophet such a question. He considered perhaps that he was annoying the Prophet, the Prophet, the Prophet, the Prophet, the Prophet, the Prophet, the uh, that they are asking for their rights, but they are not giving their rights. He said, If I order you to hear, let men and to obey them. because they will be called to account for that, the responsibility that is upon them. As well as they will be questioned by Allah, did they fulfill their rights or their obligations upon them? and you will be. Called to account for that responsibility which is given to you each one will be accountable then you fulfill the obligations upon him. don't worry about them if they don't fulfill the rights then Allah will question them but you will fulfill the rights that are upon you because Allah will question you about that which is your obligations and not theirs and Ibn Abu'l'idh al Hanafi, rahimahullah in his explanation of the al-aqidah al-sahawiyyah one of the great books of Islamic aqidah concerning this issue he said we do not agree that we can make rebellion against the leaders of those who are doing authority over the muslims even if they are oppressors or wrongdoers and then he explained this by saying as for our obligation to, to stick to obedience to them even if they are oppressors or wrongdoers this is because rebelling against them causes Uh, or rebelling against them and holding back our hands from obedience causes more evil and harm in multiple, so many times over than the result of the evil or the wrongdoing of that individual when it is restricted to himself. Not only that, not only that rebelling against them will cause even more evil than the wrongdoing that they are doing, but in being patient and sticking to the obligations that are upon us, as Allah has ordered us to obey those and abaris and amongst us, in being patient in their oppression, or in their wrongdoing or in their evil, it is a means of tafsir as al That is, it is a means for Allah. If we are patient even with our wrongdoing leaders, it is a means for Allah to forgive us our sin and to multiply our reward. And this is because we are obedience to Allah and following uh, that which Allah and His Messenger (sallallahu ordered us. Then He said, "Verily, Allah has not placed an authority over us such leaders <coughs> except due to our own wrongdoing and corrupt actions." And مِنْ الْعَمَلِ the reward. Is always of the same type of the deed. If we see that what is coming to us is evil, then it's because of the evil of our own selves. So it is obligatory on us to work hard in making this fire, asking Allah's forgiveness, and at-tawda, repenting to Allah, wa islah al-amal, and correcting our own deeds. This is the way to uh, correct ourselves in order to uh, correct the leaders or to for Allah to place over us those who would be better if we ourselves are the better. And this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Shura, chapter forty two, verse thirty kasabat That whatever affliction has befallen you, any mufiba that has afflicted you, it is because of what your own hands have done. It is your own doing and Allah forgives so much and also the same of Allah in Surah Al-An'am chapter 6 verse 129 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَكَذَلِكَ نُوَلِّي بَعْدَ الظَّالِمِينَ بَعْضًا بِمَا كَامُوا يَكْفِبُونَ and also we have placed in authority some of those wrongdoings. Over others of them, we have placed a valine in authority over those who themselves are valine or wrongdoers the oppressors. They may claim because of that which they have earned. Yeah, I mean because of their own deeds or actions. So if the followers or the people under authority want to free themselves from the oppression of their leader, then they themselves should stop wrongdoing or the wrongdoing of their own hands, and this is the end of. What Ibn Abd al al-Hanafi rahimahullah, said in explanation of this point. Also, in this line, in Zahiri, Muhammad al-Bukhari al-Muslim, from Rafi'id, he said that, that when the people of Al-Madinah, the three of the Prophet, started to hold back their allegiance from Yazid ibn Muawiyah, then Ibn Umar that is Abdullah ibn Umar collected those who are close to him and his children and he said to them Verily I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallamu say ينفِبوا لِكُلِّ غَابِرٍ لِيَاءٌ يَوْمَ الْقِيَوْمَةِ He said, I heard the message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallamu say that every person who goes out in rebellion against the authority a be raised up to him in the day of resurrection a plague to identify him that he was a person that was outside of the authority of those who he has given allegiance to. He said, <traum> and Verily who said to his children and those who are him, he said, Verily we have given allegiance to this land. Even if that man is evil, no matter we have given allegiance to him. Allegiance based on the allegiance of Allah and His Messenger wasallam and I don't know of anyone who goes outside or who makes a rebellion that is greater than the one who gives allegiance to someone in the name of Allah and His Messenger wasallam and then they stand up and fight against that one to whom they have given allegiance. وَإِنِّي لَا أَعْلَمُ أَحَدًا مِنْكُمْ خَلْعَهُ وَلَا بَاعَعَ فِي هَذُ الْأَمْرَ إِلَّا كَانَتْ أَلْفَيْسُ بَيْنُ وَبَيْنَهُ and then he Abdullah Ibn عمر reminded him that no one of you who separates from that allegiance which he has given or who modifies it no one of you accepts that know for sure that this is Al-Faisal and this is going to be the clear and definite separation between me and the one who rebels against the ruler or malafides his allegiance to that ruler Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani he says about this hadith and in Sattal Dari, the explanation of Bukhari that in this hadith is an indication of the obligation of obeying the Imam who has been given the allegiance, the oath of allegiance and the prohibition of rebellion against him even if he is an oppressor in his rulership and that his corruption or his own personal wrongdoing is not a reason for his oath of allegiance to become invalid. And also in the Sahih ibn Muslim, on the authority of Nafi'i, he said that, uh, Abdullah ibn Umar came to Abdullah ibn Muqiyah at the time when he, uh, when there was a problem in the Harra, the hurrah, the, in Medina, in the place in Medina where the people had made rebellion against the Azir and and he said to him up Abdullah al-Masiyah said put out a pillow for Abdullah rahman to sit but he said that is Abdullah he said to him uh, إِنِّي لَمْ أَاتِيك I didn't come to sit أَتَيْتُكَ لِأُحَدِتُكَ hadith. but I came to know to you a hadith that I heard from the wa sallam He said مَنْ خَلَعَ يَدًا مِنْ طاعته." Whoever holds back his hand from obedience to the ruler نَقِلَ اللَّهَ يَوْمُ الْقِلَامُ وَلَا حُجَّةٌ لَهُ He will meet Allah on the day of resurrection He will not have anything or any argument to argue on his behalf وَمِنْ مَاتَ وَلَيْسَ فِي عُنَقٍ بَيْعَةٌ مَا تُمَيْتَةٌ جَاهُلِيَةٌ And whoever dies when he is not under the authority of a leader or leaders to a Muslim leader then he dies like the death of those who died before Islam in the days of Jahiliyyah and also even if the Allah is evil, it is reported in the hadith of Al-Bukhari and muslim the part of Ibn Abbas radiallahu he said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said whoever says from his Allah that what he dislikes something distasteful or bad فليصبر عليه then you should be patient with it Sainnahulaysa So no one would go out of the authority, even of the authority of the ruler, even a span, even a little bit, except that if he died in that condition, he would die like the people before Islam, the day, the people of Jahaliyyah. Uh and this hadith for so many but we just wanted to mention some of them so that it would be clear that a position of those who think that they can disobey or rebel against the rules whether they are righteous or unrighteous, that this position is wrong and it is also reported in the Sahih of maslim al Ibn from the Muslim of Allah s.a.w. He said the best of your imams are those whom you love and they love you and you pray for them and they pray for you and the worst of your imams are those whom you hate and they hate you and you curse them and they curse you we said, Ya Rasulullah, As-salamu, who is in the state, almost we fight against to us a at that time, in the Thalika He said, La, salat No, don't fight against them as long as they uh, continue to perform the salat or establish the salat And he said that again, and then he said, that whoever a wali or a wali has been placed over someone has been placed a authority over you, whether he is the, the leader of the city or the town or the village or the state or whatever, whoever, when someone has been placed a authority over him, and then he sees some disobedience, something of disobedience, ma'afiyah, or disobedience to Allah in that leader, and he, and he should hate that thing which he has seen, the disobedience to Allah. But in spite of that, even though he should hate that disobedience, the Prophet said, وَلَا مِنْ But he absolutely should not refrain his hand from so obedience to the person in authority. And finally, three hadith concerning the rulers. The responsibility of the rulers themselves, not only are the followers, or the people in the authority responsible, uh, to Allah to be obedient but the rulers are also responsible for that authority which has been given to them and it is a very uh, severe and serious responsibility as we quoted by Abdullah ibn Umar in the Sahih of muslim رَعِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ يعني عَبْدِ اللَّهُ عُمَرِيَ He said that the Muslim Allah said إِنَّ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ عَلَى منابر مِنْ نُورَ عَنْ يَمِينِ الرَّحْمَانِ كِلْتَ يَمِينِ Almadina Yah Bibla bi shuqni him wa ahdihim ma walu. Ya and verali la muqfienas, those who are just in front of Allah will be on minbar or stands of, of light on the right of ar rahman on the right side of Allah ar rahman and both of his hands are right hand. And then the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said Those who are just and right in their ruling And to their family And whatever authority has been given to them And also In the Sahih of Muslim And the authority of Aisha May Allah be pleased with her That she was the name of Allah ﷺ And say This du'a Allahumma min waliyya amri umna shay'an Fashakta alayhim O oh Allah, whoever has oh be been given any authority and any affair over the people of Ummah and who is harsh to them, then O Allah, be harsh to him. And whoever has been given any authority and any affair over the people of Ummah and who is kind to them, then be kind to him. And also, finally, in the Sahihain, in Bukhari al-Muslim, from al hassan al-Basari, he says that Abdullah ibn Ziyad, uh, visited معقل ابن Yasir in the time in his sickness that he died from and معقل said to him ابن uh, يزير who, who was the leader of that time he said to him الله صلى الله عليه وسلم I am going to know to you a hadith that I heard from the Messenger that there is no servant of Allah whom Allah has given an authority Allah has given an authority over people When that person dies while he has violated the trust that has been given to him the authority over those people under him no person who has been given such authority and he violates it except that Allah will make haram for him to enter the Jannah. So these are some of the hadith and those hadiths are so many who are not information in them all, inshaAllah will review and toquari a Muslim who will find many of those hadith mentioned there. Al Imam Ahmed goes on to say, after mentioning the khawarij and the deeds, he said Walehum, Ila Saarahu, Al Tarafuhu and Yatlubahum, Walla Yasariya Tarahum لَيْسَ لِأَحَدٍ Imam الْإِمَامِ أَوُّلَّاتِ الْمُسْكِنِينَ It is not permissible for anyone I uh, who the fish have come to or the khawarich have come to When they depart from him or abandon him If they ran away from him Allah, It is not permissible for him to speak after them To follow them nor should he follow their tracks This is not permissible for anyone other than the imam or the leader or those charged with authority over the Muslims. when I mean if they came to someone's house to steal from its something but they ran away and escaped then we shouldn't follow them, but only we should leave it to those who are in authority to the rulers of the Muslims or those who they are placed in authority from the police and, and the likes of them to defend himself in his own place in his own home or place of business etc and he should intend by his striving against him or fighting with those who try to attack him or his property he should intend that he will not kill anyone that so he will not kill anyone فإن مات أو أمات على في أم في فأبعد الله وإن قتل هذا كما جعلت كما جعلت uh, it is only for him to defend himself in his place and to intend not to kill anyone but if he kills him while defending himself in the battle then Allah will make the one killed that is the killing of the khawarij the rebellious one will him. We make him far removed from Allah or from any goodness and if he, the one who is defending himself from his property, is killed in that state while he is defending himself from his property then I hope that he will have shahadah that is, not to go he will be a shaheed as has been mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet and this is mentioned in the hadith of Abu Hurair as reported in Sahih Muslim that uh, a man came to the Messenger of Allah and said O oh Messenger of Allah, what do you seek? If a man comes to me in order to take my property or my position, the Prophet said to him, Don't give him your wealth. That man says, What if he fights me? He said, Then fight him. He says, What about if he kills me? He said, Then you will be a martyr for defending yourself or defending your property, He said, what if I kill him? He said, قوة النار and he would be in the hellfire. Also, Imam Ahmed goes on to say, مجمير الاثار بهذا, أو كان جريحا. All of the narrations The reports of the hadith In this regard Have ordered The failing of him But did not order Killing him Killing the thief Or the rebellious one nor pursuing him nor finishing him off if he fell to the ground Or became wounded and if he took him as a captive, he should not kill him and should not carry out the prescribed punishment, the hudud, against him but rather he should raise his matter to whoever Allah appointed and give an authority so that those who have authority may judge in that matter also it is reported in the hadith uh, concerning those who fight to defend themselves or their property and reported uh, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a hadith in a the Quran of Abu Bakr رَيَّ اللَّهُ أَنْهُ مَنْ ماله الشهيد, whoever is killed while defending his wealth then he is a shaheed a martyr وَمَنْ قُتِلَ دُونَ and whoever is killed protecting his life فَهُوَ شَهِيدَ then he is a martyr وَمَنْ قُتِلَ دُونَ دِينِهِ فَهُوَ الشهيد, and whoever is killed defending his religion then he is a martyr This uh, topic that Imam Ahmed discussed after this is concerning a very important topic, and it is uh, the sake of making some definite statements uh, concerning who would be in the paradise and who would be in the hellfire. Imam Ahmed says, <laughs> And we do not testify for anyone from amongst the people of the Qibla, anyone from the Muslim Ummah, we do not testify or affirm on account of any action that he has done or any deed that he has done. We do not say then as a result of that good deed or such good deed that he is in paradise or such bad deeds due to them. we say that he is in the hellfire we have hope for the righteous one and we fear for him we hope that he will be in paradise and we fear that Allah may punish him for other deeds that he has done and we fear for the evil one and the sinful person and we hope in the mercy of Allah for him for the evil person who does evil deeds openly and publicly and to such an extent that he appears to be of the people of hellfire we fear for him because of his evil or his sinful deeds but we don't give up hope for him, we still hope for him for the mercy of Allah if he is of those who testify to the oneness of Allah and to the Prophet of Muhammad therefore being from amongst the Muslims and this is the position of the Ahmad al that we do not take any definite stand no matter how good a person may appear to be or how evil they may appear to be if they are from the Muslim ummah we cannot say that anyone is definitely in the Hellfire or definitely in the Paradise except those for whom the Quran or the Sunnah has mentioned them specifically and affirmed that they would be in the Paradise or in the Hellfire such as the Al-Ashwara, Al-Mudashirin, Al-Jannah that is those 10 people who the Prophet gave the good news that they would be in the Paradise. Abdullah Ibn al-Rahman, Ibn al-Jibreem, Allah in his summary, or in his explanation of this point, he said that this is the Aqidah of the Ahlul Sunnah wal-Jama'ah, that they don't speak with definiteness about anyone, that they would be in the Paradise or in the hellfire, uh, even if we find some text from the Sunnah or Hadith, which seems to apply to them, because there are some Hadith which are called a Hadith al-Wa'id those Hadith which threaten the hellfire for those who do evil deeds and there are other Hadith a Hadith al-Wa'id those Hadith which promise the reward of paradise for those who do certain good deeds but we say even in spite of the fact that we may see these Hadith being applicable the threat of punishment or the promise of reward to such people because of the deeds that we see in them we still say that everyone's affairs with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at, for example, the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa He said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ حَرَّنُ عَلَى الْمَّاءِ مَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ يَبَتَغِيلِ اللَّهِ That's really Allah has made the fire forbidding to touch the person who says, إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ, saying that, seeking the peace of Allah or the reward of Allah. who yani whoever says such word of, لا إله إِلَا إِلَّا sincerely for the sake of Allah, seeking the sake of Allah Whoever says such a thing when the Prophet said that, that the fire would be forbidden for them, they would not be touched by the fire we, This is of the ahadith and wa'ad or the hadith that promised the good news or the paradise for those who do good deeds But can we say that every person who said la ilaha illallah can we say that all of these people are the people of paradise and that the fire would be prohibited to touch them but we say that their fair is with Allah because al ikhlas is, a, is uh, the sincerity whether they said it sincerely is a matter that is of the unseen matters that's only known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we see the people doing the deeds but we don't know if they are doing it with ikhlas or purely and sincerely for Allah alone also the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa for example لا يدخل الجنة لا يدخل الجنة مَنْ فِي is مِثْقَال that no person would enter the paradise who has in his heart even uh, a small amount of pride yani the amount of a small ant or the amount of the size of an atom even that small amount of pride or arrogance if they have such in their heart they would never enter the paradise so, can we say that every person who has a little bit of pride in their heart, even from amongst the Muslims, that they would never enter the paradise? We cannot say such but we say, like we said in the first case, that they are saved with Allah, and Allah, and Allah is the judge of that, uh, because what is in the heart is not known to us. So we cannot say with definiteness that anyone will be in the paradise, or anyone would be in the fire, but we say that those people who do bad deeds, they are the sinners, about whom certain, Hadith have been narrated. There yeah, are I many threats of punishment for them. Uh, but their affairs with Allah, if He wills, He will punish them. And if He wills, He may forgive them. Allah can forgive whomever He wills. And as for those people who did good deeds, we say that these are the people who were promised the reward. And these are the people who were promised forgiveness for the deeds that they did. But still their affairs with Allah, if Allah pleases, He will cause them to complete. Such actions and to die on such and not to turn away from it in the end of their life and reward them for that uh, by His mercy. And his mercy. Uh, as if He will, He may also punish them for whatever evil deeds they have done in addition to what we have seen from them of good. And Allah knows best about these things. So, what we say, the Ahlul Jama'ah, we say that we don't say with definitely about any specific. Particular individual that he is guaranteed paradise, or he is sure to enter the fire, except those whom the Prophet ﷺ has specifically mentioned, like the ten people who are promised paradise, and others like them whom the Prophet ﷺ mentioned specifically, like Al-Hafidh and Al-Hussein, رَبِّيَ and and other such people whom the Prophet in authentic hadith mentioned that they would be in the paradise and the same with the people of hellfire we don't say that anyone will be in the hellfire except whom the Quran or the authentic sunnah has specifically mentioned that they would be in the paradise or in the hellfire and some of those people uh, who, the, who we can say that they would be in the hellfire is as mentioned in the Quran uh, specifically Abu Lahab that is Abdul Izzah Ibn would be in the fire uh, and also he said about his wife, uh, ومرأته, that she would also be punished with the hellfire. So this is, يعني, someone specifically mentioned in the Quran, and also in the Sunnah, Abu Talib, Abdul Mannaf, ibn Abdul Muttalib, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said about him, that is the uncle of the Prophet صلى الله is recorded in the Hadith of Muslims, and also in Bukhari on the authority of Ibn Abbas, and in Bukhari on the authority of Nu'mal ibn Bashir, the prophet sallallahu wa sallam said, أَحْوَنُوا أَحْلَ النَّارُ عَذَابًا أَبُوْ طالب. The people who have the, who have the least punished people in the hellfire would be Abu Talib. وَهُوَ مُنْتَعِلُ يَغْلِي دِمَاغُهُ And he would be fitted with shoes or sandals that would boil to such an extent that it would cause his brain to boil. And he would be the least of the people of the hellfire. So also we can say, that uh, based on the authentic hadith that these, or based on the Quran, that there are some people specifically mentioned. Otherwise, we cannot say that anyone is definitely to be in the hellfire. But we say that uh, we testify uh, in general that the believers would be in the paradise, and that the disbelievers in general would be in the hellfire. And we only specify Anyone being in the hellfire or the paradise according to the text of the Quran or the hadith of the Prophet. Then uh, the next point is the lengthy point, and Allah knows best if we will have time to complete it, but at least we can mention some of it. Mesh Imam Ahmed talked about those people who committed sins, and he mentions four groups of people. The first of them is the one who commits a sin and he repents and doesn't continue in such. And the second of them who commits a sin and then he is punished by the Islamic law while he is living in this world and such punishment will be a kafara or an expiation for him. The third of them is the one who commits sins and he continues in his sins and does not repent from it. And that person, his condition is tahta mashiyatillah. That is, he, it will be according to Allah's will. If Allah, Allah wills, he will punish him for his evil deeds that he didn't repent from or if Allah wills, he may forgive him and Allah forgives whomever he pleases except shirk associating or dying, worshipping something other than Allah the fourth of them is the kafir who commits sin and his biggest sin is kufr then Allah would not forgive him but Allah would punish him these are the four groups that Imam Ahmed mentions here and he says, the text of, the, of his essay is وَمَن Allah bi يَجِبُ لَهُ بِهِ النَّارَ غَيْرَ نُصِيرٌ عَلَيْهِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَيَقْبَلُ التوبة عَنْ, عن Who meets Allah with a sin which would necessitate the fire for him but he has repented and he has not returned or went back to committing that sin again or being insistent upon continuing in it, then Allah will turn to him in forgiveness and Allah accepts repentance from his servants and forgive evil actions. And this is based on the ayah of Qur'an, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Shura, chapter 42 verse 25, And he, that is Allah, is the one who accepts repentance from his servants, and he forgives sins. The second of them, uh That is, and the, the second is the one who committed a sin, but he was punished for it by the Islamic law. وَمَنْ لَقِيَهُ وَقَدْ عَلَيْهِ حَدُّ ذَلِكَ الذنب فِي الدُّنْيَا فَهُوَ كَفَّارَتُهُ كَمَا جاء فِي الْخَبَرِ اَوْ كَمَا جاء, في الخبر أو كما جاء عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. And whoever meets him, whoever meets Allah in the next life on the day of the resurrection, after having had the prescribed punishment it out to him for that particular sin in this world, then that would be an expiation as occurs in the narration of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and this is based on the hadith of Ubadah radiyallahu uh, anhu the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam while he was with a small group from amongst his companions they were surrounding him he said pledge allegiance to me with the following: that you do not associate anything with Allah don't make shirk and that you do not steal and that you do not commit zina fornication or adultery illegal sexual relations And that you do not kill your children, and kill them uh, unjustly or wrongly because of fear of poverty or so on. And that you do not slander, having conspired it amongst yourselves. And do not disobey in something that is good and just. Don't disobey those in authority from amongst you in the good and that which is right. Whoever dies amongst you, having avoided all of that, then his reward is with Allah. And whoever falls into any of these things and is punished in the world, then it would be an expiation for him. Here, the Prophet made it clear that whoever committed such a sin, but he was punished in this world, then it would be an expiation for him. And whoever falls into any of these things, and then Allah shields him, his affair is with Allah. If He wills, He will pardon him, and if He wills, He will punish him. So we place allegiance to Him upon such. Uh, so this is also a very important point that whoever is punished in this life, and some of the scholars said whoever is punished while admitting their wrong and uh, feeling remorse for it and repenting and asking Allah for forgiveness from it, then if they were punished in this life then it would be an expiation and they would not be called to account for it again in the next life. And this hadith is a reputation of the Khawarij who declare Muslims to be disbelieving merely on account of committing a sin, a major sin. The only part of the false belief of the Khawarij is that any Muslim who commits a major sin, then he became a disbeliever. But here in this hadith, it, the Prophet sallallahu makes it very clear, that whoever committed a sin, major or minor, if they were punished in this world, it would be an expiation for him. And even if they were not punished, then perhaps still Allah may pardon them if he wills or he may punish them. But they do not become a disbeliever by such. This hadith is also a refutation against the Mu'atirzila and who say that the one who commits major sins will certainly receive punishment if he dies without repenting. When in fact the Prophet ﷺ said that if he repents, then Allah accepts repentance. And Allah said in the Quran that whoever repents, Allah accepts repentance. But if he doesn't, then Allah, if he wills, he may punish him. And if he wills, he may forgive him. But they said, no, whoever commits a major sins and he didn't repent, then he will definitely, certainly be punished when, in fact, Allah it is up to Allah to do as He wills to punish him or to forgive him. So then uh, He says, the third case or the third person of those people who committed sins were men laqiyahu musirran ghair ta'ib min azdunub alati qad istojba biha alghubba, f'amruhu idal ilaa Allah insha alzabuhu wa insha rafra Lahu that whoever meets him, that is whoever meets Allah on the day of resurrection having persisted upon their sins, continued in their sinning and they have not repented from such sins which necessitate punishment then his affair or such a person their affairs with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he Allah, if he will, he will punish him and if he will, he will forgive him uh, and this is due to the hadith which we already mentioned where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said that whoever falls into such things uh, and um, then he, Allah may forgive him or Allah may punish him there is a small group of the scholars who say that whoever repents uh, that this includes only those people um, that the punishment in this world only includes those people who repented as I mentioned uh, no that it includes those who repent and those who don't repent but uh, the majority of the scholars their opinion is that uh whoever was punished for any deed in this world that it is uh that it is an expiation for them if they actually admitted their wrongdoing and felt remorse about it and repented to Allah and asked for his forgiveness. And then uh, finally the last case is the case of the person who dies as a kafir ومن لقيه Kafiran Aw min kafirin عَذَّبَهُ ولم, وَلَمْ يَغْفِرْ لَهُ الإمام أحمد said that we all will meet Allah as a disbeliever not having believed in Allah or worshipped Him in this world then Allah will punish him and Allah will not forgive him and this is based on the ayah of the Qur'an in Surah Al-Ma'idah chapter 5 verse 72 إنه وَمَا لِذْ لز, مِنْ أَنْصَارِ That whoever associates anything with Allah or who dies as a kafir, when Allah has made forbidden for him the paradise, and Allah has made his place or his home will be the hellfire, and there will be no one to help the ظَالِمِينَ or the wrongdoers, that is those who disbelieve in Allah or worship something besides him. And also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Nisa chapter 4 verse 116 Inna la ay That is Allah does not forgive that anyone else should be worshipped besides him. And the shaykh uh, Abdurrahman, Abdullah ibn Abdullah ibn Jabreen In summary of this uh, final point he says that the matters of the next life, they are with Allah Allah has informed us that He forgives whomever He wills And He punishes whomever He wills So the matter is to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala Whoever returns to Allah and He is of the people of At-Tawheed The people who believe in the oneness of Allah Who testified to the oneness of Allah And who worship Allah alone in this world Then He is qualified or He is expected Receives the forgiveness of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and this is mentioned in the Hadith of Ibn Mas'ud, Abdullah Ibn mas'ud Radiyallahu Anhu: "Man Allah la yishrak bihi shay'an dhalan Jannah, whoever meets Allah while he has not worshipped anything besides Allah, then he will enter paradise. يُشْرِكْ بِهِ شَيْئًا دخلنا. And whoever meets Allah while he has died worshiping something or, atrib- or uh, associating something with Allah then he would enter the fire in spite of this uh, we don't say for sure uh, that this person is in paradise are yeah, I mean, who uh, meets Allah on he nor that this person is in the hell fire but we say as we mentioned earlier uh, in the earlier point that there is a promise from Allah for the one who says la ilaha illallah and dies on that and there is a threat from Allah for the one who worships something other than him but all of these things are matters that are according to Allah's will if he wills he may punish anyone and if he wills he may forgive whomever he wills and if he were to punish the people of the heavens and the earth then it would not be uh, injustice or wrong for him and if he were to have mercy then also his mercy is better than all of their good deeds. And this is because no matter how much good deeds anyone might do, they would not be equal to the bounties of Allah and the mercy that Allah has uh, yeah, I mean, spread upon us. Even the Prophet وسلم, he said about this He said, No one of you would ever uh, into the paradise simply due to his good deeds. They said, Not even you, O Messenger of Allah. He said, Not even me. Except that Allah would cover me with His mercy and His bounty. So no one should expect that because they did so many good deeds or any good deeds that they are entitled to paradise But it is by Allah's mercy and Allah's bounty Even the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alaihi said not even me except that Allah covers me with his mercy and his bounty So we are in need of the mercy of Allah and our deeds fall far short from being an independent cause for us to be saved from the hellfire and into the paradise but since Allah has ordered us to do good deeds then we do them and since Allah has ordered us to try to increase and do more and more good deeds we try to make them plentiful and since Allah has prohibited us from evil deeds then we try to refrain from them because he has made the doing of these evil deeds the reason for a person to enter the hellfire, and the doing of good deeds a reason for a person to enter the paradise. Then he says, uh, the shaykh then talks about the second class of people, that is those who meet Allah while the prescribed punishment has uh, been performed on them. And then he says what we already mentioned, that is that there will be an expiation for them if they repent. But if that person denies their wrong and doesn't confess to their wrong or admit that it's wrong and they don't repent from it, then even if they are punished in this world, it would not benefit them in the next life But that punishment would only serve as a warning to them from committing such an act again and it would serve as a warning for others from committing such wrongdoing or acts of disobedience or sins. So, in summary, the Shaykh, he only mentions these two classes, that is, those who uh, Allah may forgive because they are of the people of Tawheed, And he mentions those who the prescribed punishment has been uh, performed against. And he says that those who are the people of Tawheed, that they could be forgiven because of their believing in Allah alone. If Allah will, He may forgive them or He may punish them for some of their evil deeds. And as for the people who the prescribed punishment has been performed against, then it is an expiation for them in the case, and this is according to the majority of the scholars, it is an expiation for them if they actually feel remorse and admit their wrongdoing And repent to Allah For doing such wrong For doing such evil deeds And not If they continue in those evil deeds And deny that it is wrong Or don't feel any remorse Or feel any you know, any sense of uh, wrongdoing For what they have done This is the end of what the shaykh says about this uh, There's no time to go on to the next point inshallah, In the following session um, Which we are now We are left with two remaining uh, lectures in the following session insha'Allah we will begin with uh, stoning The ruling uh, related to stoning Those who uh, should be stoned for the, uh, the one who committed adultery while they have been married And uh, then we will uh, also discuss the case of those people who speak ill against the Sahaba And this is specifically as we mentioned briefly in the previous lecture The Rasidah or the Shia And then we will talk about also an nithaq or hypocrisy fighting against a Muslim, cursing a Muslim, or calling a Muslim a disbeliever. Inshallah, hopefully in the next lecture, we will cover these points. And then in the final lecture, uh, denying kinship, the matter of uh, paradise and hellfire, that these are two created things which are in existence already, and the performance of salat of janazah on the people of the Muslim ummah, even if they were sinners. These will be the last two lectures, Inshallah. Then after that, um, there will be an examination for those who want to take it uh, and uh, and then I think after that there will be a gathering for all of those who participated in these lectures at least for the sisters um, uh, to uh, just to have some uh, opportunity to socialize and to uh, spend some time together so this is the end of what we wanted to say we hope that inshallah Allah will bless us to benefit from it that Allah will uh, encourage us and inspire us to increase our good deeds, to refrain from uh, acts of disobedience, to uh, ask His forgiveness for whatever sinful act we have fallen into, and to repent sincerely. And that repentance should include the acknowledgement that what we have done is wrong, the immediate uh, stopping or cessation or leaving that which we have done, feeling remorse for what we have done, trying to do good to do good deeds to make up for the wrong deeds that we have done. And if any rights have been violated of other people, such as property taken from them or otherwise, then those things should be restored in order for that repentance to be correct and to be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let us try to uh, avoid act of disobedience and if we fell into such as human beings then let us ask Allah's forgiveness and repent to him sincerely may Allah guide us to understand the correct sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu to try to implement it in our individual lives and in the lives of our families and our relatives and our friends and our neighbors may Allah protect us from the deviation of the deviance and the misguidance of those misguided people and from the whispering of shaitan and help us to be of those who guide to that which is right and are examples of that which is right and may Allah make our hearts pure that whatever we do is sincerely for Him. Subhanahu wa bihamdika, ashhadu an la ila illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu If there are any questions or comments or corrections, we have about five minutes before the Salah.